You're listening to the NBS Podcast with me, Bradley Goldman, sports nutrition specialist and creator of the nutrition program NBS that swept through the Peloton community. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome and buckle up for our no bullshit approach to all things fitness, nutrition, and much more. If you're returning for this week's episode, welcome back. Clear the room of any little ears, turn the volume up, and let's get to this week's episode. Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the MBS podcast. Today we have Sanan Ozimiski. Uh, you guys know him as uh, Sanan uh, Synonymous on uh, Facebook and probably on Instagram too. Yeah, Dr. Synonymous on Instagram. Um, Sanan is the coach liaison at Stronger You. He's got his master's in applied clinical nutrition from NYU. He's finishing up his second master's in professional studies at, uh, professional studies in nutrition at Penn State and completing his dietetic internship to officially be an RD in 2022. He's got more letters after his last name than mine. Uh, Sanan Ozimiski, say hello. What's going on, man? You can't introduce me like that and expect me not to crack up. My <laughs> last name is long enough as is. That's it. Sanan is uh, Sanan's one of my favorite people over at SU. Uh, if you guys listen to the episode from uh, the 11th with uh, Mike Dola, who's the creator and founder of Stronger You, uh, I've got a lot of love for the SU fam. Um, we uh, we definitely have, I like to bring it up all the time, we have competing businesses and uh, they are some of my favorite fucking people. So Sanan, why don't you say hello? Fill us in. Where are you at right now? Where am I talking to you from? Talk to me. I love it, man. I, I agree with you too. Just even talking on the Peloton Nutrition Group with you, that's where you and I kick things off. And it's yep. it's been the best shit show ever since then, man. <laughs> it's been uh it's been one of those things I'm like, do I, you know, butt heads with him? Do I kick it off like best friends with him? And it just it, it whatever path we decided to take it ended up being, you know, just best friends communication nonstop. And I absolutely love that. Yeah, man, it's a uh, it's that that group is a wild ride. Um, for those of you, a lot of our listeners actually come from the Peloton Nutrition Group, um, and you guys, you know, the the powers that be at SU, um, there's definitely uh, a filter for some things that you guys have to go through, and there's definitely no filter on MBS, but it is uh, it is uh, the the Peloton Nutrition Group. So you guys, just so you guys know, Sanan is. Uh, I don't know Sanan personally. Um, I've never met him in person. Uh, we will we will get start talking on on music. Um, we'll vibe together on certain posts and pound on nutrition. Um, he's a incredibly smart individual. Um, we'll get into the the nitty gritty in a second. But Sanan, tell us for a second where are you right now? Um, it's seven p.m. by you. Um, you're calling, yeah. yeah, what's going on? Yeah, it's uh, seven p.m. by me. I'm out in Hershey, Pennsylvania, actually. Okay. Um, I am living out of a, this is awesome for me because I traveled nonstop and then I planted my roots in Hershey PA at a hotel for three months um, <laughs> at an extended stay to do my clinical rotation for the dietetic program for the dietetic internship. So I am living um, just a walk away from Hershey Medical Center okay. and uh, I'm here till December to finish out the clinical rotation for my um, dietetic internship. But otherwise I am normally in Florida. In Florida, I was going to say, where are you off to after that? Yeah, still East Coast, Florida for me. Um, and then I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll chit chat about it later on too. But all my family's overseas in Turkey. So uh, Florida will hold me until the winter carries hour. And then uh, once winter wraps up, I will be uh, off to conquer Europe again. So Perfect, perfect. Yeah, we'll bring it up a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but that's cool. Speaking of you finishing up your dietetic internship, though, uh, tell me a little bit. Uh, when and what made you decide to get into studying nutrition? Absolutely. Uh, so to be honest, I think my exposure um, and interest in nutrition goes as far back as 2002. 
So just a brief intro leading up to it. 92, I was born in the US, went back to Turkey when I was six months old. Um, and then I spent the first 10 years of my life in Turkey. So I grew up over there, got exposed to, you know, street food was like, you know, fish inside of like a, a homemade bread. Um, that's street food over there. If you, uh, didn't I was going to say, I was like, yeah, my mouth just salivated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if that's not tasty sounding enough, we have chicken gyro on the street. They have like little gyro carts. If you know, like halal guys, like they have oh, yeah. everywhere. Um, street rice, which is, you know, rice with chickpeas mixed in. There's some pulled chicken sometimes if you can find the right guy for it. So <laughs> I grew up around that um, my entire 10 years of my life. So as a kid, you know, I feel like you get exposed to food at your most saturated when you're a kid because the smells, the sights, the flavors, they're all very, very appealing as you start learning those things from scratch. Um, when I moved here in 2002, I think that's when the nutrition piece hit me as culture shock. Um, you know, everybody pegs culture shock as like a change in language, a change in wardrobe, mm -hmm. how people connect, how people communicate. For me, it was around food. So, you know, convenience food to be exact. So growing up around those things as street food, as soon as I came here, the amount of McDonald's, Arby's, KFCs, you know, the, the, the fast food chains that I saw, dude, I had a very like at 10 years old, imagine you switch scenes that quickly and you have that oh shit moment you know what i mean yeah. like i i was coming from walking past markets in turkey where people had fruit outside the market and you didn't even have to go in the store owner would see you like staring down the fruit you would come out he would just grab the money from you you grab the fruit wipe it on your shirt eat it on your walk um, right i come here and i look and i'm like you know Ch i love chick-fil-a but you look at the chick-fil-a drive-thru and you're like Oh, yeah, fuck that. I'm not waiting 15 hours to go through, you know, for, for grilled nuggets. And there it was like, yeah, you know, a, a store owner could be like, dude, this pear is amazing. Like I got the best crop this year. Try this. And then he gives you like five pears to walk down the street and eat. So I'm like, it was a huge culture shock for me. So as soon as I came into that as a 10 year old kid, um, I think nutrition set off a light bulb in my head. Obviously nutrition was not always my go-to. Um, I was always thinking interior design, interior architecture, because that's what my family did. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll definitely, you know, continue the legacy. I'll do it. I'll follow <laughs> through. And I went to look at uh, Pratt Institute was one of the main universities that I got accepted to uh, a pretty decent ride too. So I was like, okay, sweet. Barely have to pay for college. I can do this. And I'll be totally honest with you. I am not a detail oriented person. Like I like to be very honest, very straightforward communicate really, really well with people. But when it comes to meticulous detail, I lose my shit. So that's not something I do well with. Um, the furthest you're going to get me is Excel with like an external mouse and I'll, I'll do really well. But <laughs> if you give me a laptop and you're like, dude, forget it. But nah, never going to happen. So I went to look at Pratt. It was right during their finals. Um, and every kid looked like a zombie. You know, they were getting maybe three hours of sleep yeah. um, per week and they were crunching through like you know, one eighteenth of an inch um, of a detail within these models that they're building. And uh, I remember, dude, I, I walked out of there. I was like, okay, I have a decent scholarship. We can do this. Let's get it. I looked at my dad and I was like, dad, there's no chance I'm going to be anything but a mediocre architect. <laughs> so I changed my mind and immediately I circled back to nutrition. I was like, let's do it. Like, I love food. I love the detail about food. And that's as detailed as you're going to get me. So uh, just say that's like a, three minute recovery of my 
three years of thinking what the hell I was going to do with my life. So no, man, that's amazing. That's a, that's honestly, that's a hell of a story. Um, I didn't know any of that, which is super rad. Uh, you were talking about the markets in Turkey. Um, you mentioned halal guys. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this on other podcasts, um, but I'm my mother is Salvadorian. I'm first generation on my mother's side. My father is a Brooklyn Jew. So you're talking about, you know, the, the gyro meat or like when we back, when my wife and I, um, our first year we were married or a second year. I don't remember. We went to Israel um, and walking through the streets with the open air markets and you see the, Oh yeah. You know, when you, when you talk about street meat or like when I went to Thailand with my wife, you know, the people are always hesitant about trying street food. Like that's my go-to. I'm like, when we were in Thailand, literally we went to an open, an open market. And I mean, they're grilling chicken. There's a chicken hanging there. I mean, it looks, it looks a little dicey, but you yeah. take a bite of that street meat and it's like, it's fresh, it's flavorful. It's just like, oh my God. But you were talking about, you said, you said something and it was made me think of that whole, that whole thing going around, going around social media. Maybe it's TikTok. I'm not on TikTok, but it's like, tell me you're this without telling me you're this. Yeah. Tell yeah, me, yeah. tell me you're involved in nutrition without telling me you're involved in nutrition. When you talk <laughs> about Chick-fil-A and this guy brings up the grilled fucking nuggets <laughs> at Chick-fil-A, but just to be real. I'm not calling you out because I'm the person who goes to Chick-fil-A and I can order that market salad with a 12 count grilled nugget yes. all day, every day, twice on Sunday. It's yeah. the best. I'm like, literally it's like 48 grams of protein, like yeah. the perfect protein, to carb to fat balance. It's a nice, there's, you know, the, the fruit in there. It's delicious. I'm literally salivating talking about fucking yeah. Chick-fil-A. Um, yeah. Very cool though, man. Uh, it's such, and when we talk about food, we talk about culture. Um, you're right. We don't really think about, you know, the culture shock with food for somebody who, yes, you were born here, but you grew up in Turkey and you came back. And as a child, especially in the States, we talk about, we're going to go down a rabbit hole. We won't go into it, but if we talk about children and children's nutrition in the States and, you know, the child obesity rate and why it's going down that path and all, let's talk about how, just convenience we, and exposure, man. Yeah, convenience, exposure. If we talk about the food, the quality of food in the States versus quality of food outside of the States, literally, I mean, go down, go up north to Canada, go, you know, I'm not saying too far, but like, even go to like, I know Kauai is the States, but go to Hawaii yeah. and like, even the quality of the fruit there or the quality of the chicken there, you get outside of your, of the, you know, being not, not on the mainland and the yeah. quality of food is just so different. Yes. We're getting still a lot of the shit in Hawaii. Absolutely. Yeah. But when I went for a good example, when I went to Paris um, with my wife, I, it was the first time in probably months I hadn't tracked. I was like, I'm not tracking a fucking thing while I'm here. Yeah. I yeah. ate, no, you can't. It's, th- that's just stupid. That's a waste of Paris. <laughs> I ate more bread and more butter. I put, I made butter sandwiches. That's not a joke. I would literally get pieces of bread when we sat down and I'd lather butter between the slices of bread and would eat them before my dinner, which was probably another thousand calories. Don't forget the wine or the foie gras or any of that. But I came back. And we'll get, maybe we'll just take us down another path. But I came back weighing less than I did when I, did I left. Yeah. yeah. I looked like shit. I yeah. looked like a soft, buttery mess. But I weighed, I think, three pounds less than when I left for Paris. And I ate more butter and bread than I've eaten literally in my entire life. And it comes yeah. down to, that's probably has to do with like the quality of the food and like the lack of preservatives. But that's enough. Yeah. Again, speaking of culture shock, though, like that is, I can't imagine you coming from Turkey as a kid. And it's like, yeah. oh, like I pick up the pear from the local market to... We're getting we're getting a, a a kids meal at McDonald's. Yeah, what? it's insane, man. And and just uh, you know, without going down the rabbit hole, I think one of the biggest things that you know people have that aha moment is 
even like myself and a lot of my friends who are sensitive to lactose here, you know, who have milk products here and they're like, dude, this doesn't sit well. Like I won't even do whey sometimes because it doesn't sit well with me. I go overseas, Greece, Turkey, you know, Italy, any of those places I'll have cheese, dairy nonstop does not impact me at all. You know what I mean? Like it's just the quality of the ingredients nuts. And like you said, the street food with the chicken hanging up and it's like, I think it like I did food service management for two years and then that was two years of my undergrad. So I'm like, I think it defies all rules that were ever created. 100%. Like it's 100%. Chicken's been sitting there for 16 hours, let alone three hours out of temperature. (laughs) And I've never gotten sick in my life eating street food. That's, that's what okay i would agree with you except for my wife if my wife listens it she'd be like babe you didn't talk about the one time in thailand we're in thailand and i'm the crazy person on vacation i'm like let me find the smallest hole in the wall spot like yeah. yeah i don't care if there's a rat that runs by a gecko that runs by whatever let me find that hole in the wall spot so we're it was we're in thailand we're in phuket and uh there was we were by a beach and i saw like out of the corner of my eye i saw like a bunch of vespas I was yeah. like, what the fuck is that? Why are there all these Vespas? There's parked. So I walk over there and it's a guy like literally on the beach, just renting out Vespas. I was like, Hey man, like how much for a Vespa? He's like $15 for an hour or $25 for the day. I was like, great. Here's 25 bucks. Yeah, what is My that? wife was like, literally, she's like, have you driven one of these before? I'm like, no, it's like a fucking bike, whatever. Yeah, it's, you, you stop, you go, it. whatever. Yeah. It's, it's not like a fucking yeah. bike, especially in Thailand in a country that you can't read any language. So whatever, we're on the Vespa and I'm on this dirt road on the Vespa and I'm like driving like along a, like a coast and I see like a little shack in the corner and there's smoke coming out of it. I was like, yeah. Oh great. I was like, this is about as grungy as it's going to get. Yeah. It's either I drive up to the, or makes good food. That's it. <laughs> or, or it's a really bad decision. It's the, it's the latter. So I pull up to the shack. My wife orders, she goes safe, she goes pad thai, and they have fresh fish. And when I when I say a tank, the tank looks more like a bucket that the water is being like filtered in. And I was like, great. I was like, fresh fish, literally probably out of the ocean. I don't know if I was out of the ocean or the, you know, the sewer or gutter river behind us. But I was like, oh, I'm gonna get this the soft shell crab. I got so sick. So sick. Seafood, street food, bad idea. Chicken, street yeah, food, probably a good idea. You went a little aggressive with that. <laughs> Anyway, um, let's go back to though, um, you know, you're talking about your family from Turkey, um, with your immediate family being in Turkey and your extended, if I remember correctly in Belgium, I feel like that's a good segue into what we're going to talk about today, which is nutrition while traveling. And, and I sure you, I mean, you are traveling, especially, I think you were in, uh, were you, were you in Croatia for yacht week? Yeah, I was in Croatia and then, uh, Greece and then Turkey. So so, so everybody that's life. never been everybody that's never been to those places i haven't been to croatia greece or turkey uh if you look at sanan's photos from that time uh you're gonna go hate him send him lots of hate mail yeah his pictures were just stunning but um let's talk about that uh i feel like a lot of people even you know with you probably talk to a lot of people that are like oh i don't want to start something because i'm traveling or how do i do this while i'm traveling so let's start with like the beginning let's yeah. start with the airport yeah. What is when you travel, like, what is your, what is your go-to way to quote unquote, stay on track from leaving your hometown or wherever you are until you get to your destination? What does that look like for you? Yeah. So I think one of the, the biggest factors that I always take into consideration is not to kind of burn down the house right off the bat. Like don't mm-hmm. go into it with the mindset. I think in my head, I always separated between like a, there's a bachelor party mindset and there's a, I'm traveling to explore an adventure mindset. 
And I think too many of us get to the airport. And as soon as we realize that we have a boarding pass in our hand, we get into like bachelor party mode. It's a drink. <laughs> yeah. You get to the airport. You're like, oh, sweet. I have 40 minutes till I board, which is absolutely not enough time to even tie your shoes and grab your bag. But then we have this wonderful idea of going to smack a beer down. And we're like, oh, yeah, 45 minutes is going to go by quick. We're like three beers deep by the time we get to the airport. You know what I mean? Um, so I think it's a huge separation between figuring that out and then figuring out a mindset that's like, let me get to the airport. Let me just get settled down. Let me at least have like two or three habits that I know keep me on track while I travel. And then once I get there, I settle, I pick up, you know, my routine of what's going to, what's, what it's going to look like out there. Then we can go into bachelor party mode if we need to. So I'm kind of OCD when it comes to travel nutrition. So I like to pack three things always with me, regardless of how long that flight is. Um, it definitely comes in handier when you take the longer flights. But, you know, for me personally, I always do like either noon tablets or a scoop of the, the bare nutrition electrolyte mix. Okay. Like I, I just like to have some kind of like a hydration mix in hand because those flights are just, they dry Killing. you out, especially with, you know, like, you know, with some of the new systems that they put in for air circulation in the airplanes, it's just, it gets much drier than we expect. Mm -hmm. And I'm somebody who's prone to bloody noses from skiing all the time. So I'm like, listen, like if I can get way ahead of hydration, then you are going to feel that much less like a dried out starfish when you land. Yeah. Um, and that's what we're trying to get to. So that's one of the biggest things I pack um, a ginger turmeric tea bag. I always pack one of those so I can just ask for hot water, throw my own tea bag in um, just for, you know, inflammation and hydration that way too. It, it definitely pulls back some of like the, you know, what people say like, Oh, I flew to Italy. And by the time I got off the plane, I couldn't even put my shoes back in because my feet yeah. were so swollen. Of course. Um, so I definitely think that ginger turmeric tea a little bit, you know, pulls back. It tastes decent too so it's nice to bring a, a tea bag unless you have like loose tea in your bag where you're going to get arrested for carrying drugs around i was gonna say it's <laughs> like not the worth the risk yeah so um especially like the i think puka is the brand um they make like a turmeric glow They're, it's probably one of my favorite teas and it's so easy to throw the the sealed bag right in your backpack i'm gonna i'm gonna stop you for a quick second i guarantee you someone's gonna rewind for that can you mention the brand of tea again yeah it's either i i probably butchered the name of it. it's either puka or pukka P-U-K-K-A-H. There you go. For those of you that just rewinded, you don't have to do that. Yeah. It's uh turmeric glow. That's the, the tea that I love bringing with me because they're individual packs too. So I just throw them in my suitcase or my backpack, cool. grab it out of my backpack, throw it in a, uh, a hot water. Um, and then depending on the time of my flight, whether I get a breakfast in or not before I get on a flight, um, it's either something like an Aloha protein bar for me. They're just on the lighter side, fruitier side. Mm -hmm. um, slightly lower protein content than our go-to protein bars. Um, that's if I gotten a breakfast in and I feel pretty good. I just need some kind of like a, a snack snack. Um, if I get on a plane, I'm like, dude, I'm starving. And that the timing of my flight, just because I try to be frugal and book some, you know, ship flight that was much cheaper <laughs> than the others. Um, then I go to like the Robert Irvine, you know, the fit crunch bar. That's yeah. like the, the bigger ones, not the yeah, yeah. ones. But no, the, the, the two ninety. I think they're two ninety a piece. Yeah. Or two forty a piece. Somewhere between like two ninety and three ten, depending on the flavor. And I those are delicious, those. though. They are super good, and they're sweet enough where you could break it up probably half and half throughout a flight, Easy. and you would still be satisfied. Easy. Um, so let's so, let me just recap yeah. one more time. So you. Yeah. 
Your number one is is first decide whether you're going. Don't go full bachelor party or bachelorette party <laughs> no. right out the gate. No, I understand. Trust me, I am guilty of this. You know me. I love my cocktails. I love my alcohol. Um, but you know the one place where it is totally appropriate for you to go to a bar at any given moment, whether it's seven a.m. or seven p.m., it is always appropriate to order a cocktail in the airport. First, decide whether it's really worth it. Do you need to get the three beers in before the flight? That's going to be a whopping five hours. Maybe not. Your second to recap was uh, was the tea, the the uh, turmeric and ginger tea. Yeah, and then uh, the electrolyte tablets in there too. If you sorry, the the noon electrolyte tablets to stay hydrated because, of course, we dehydrate. We're on flights. The noon the noon excuse me the uh, the turmeric and ginger tea to help with inflammation. And last but not least, either an Aloha protein bar or a Robert Irvine bar. And for those of you that don't know, make it oversimplify it. Go for a smaller calorie protein bar depending on the time of day. Or if you have a longer flight, you need a bigger uh, a smaller excuse me a big bang for your buck punch in terms of tying you over go for a bigger heavier protein bar robert irving uh bear bells are one of my favorites for something bigger like that uh bear bells uh i think it's called gsn or esn over in the eu they're from germany okay. uh yeah oh yeah if you have it if you know do you know sra Matt? uh no i don't uh check her in peloton nutrition she's uh she knows mike um we're all we're all kind of friends esther is on episode two um, okay yeah have her be like hey what are those protein bars that you sent bradley uh they're only in germany i think but you can get them over there while you're in europe um very cool very cool uh so here's a question i know look y'all that are rds y'all are so type a you're the first one that i've like you're like no don't i don't want attention to detail Literally, I when Brooke listens to this, she's gonna turn. She's gonna be like, "Oh my god, I can't stand him." <laughs> um, uh, Brooke's very type A, but um, let's say for some reason you forget all your shit, or your bag gets lost, and all you've got is the airport convenience store. What do you do? Uh, that's easy for me, man. I usually it'll be I'll go for a Cliff Bar just because okay. that's my easy way out. It's filling. Um, yes, it'll sit in your stomach a little more than some of the other bars just because it's a little more you know, carbon fiber dense. Um, but I have this weird switch in my head where if I have a cliff bar, I know it's like a fail safe for me. So okay. I, I always find myself grabbing one of those if I'm on a bind. Um, I'll go for one of those if I need to up my protein at all. If I miss breakfast that morning, um, I'll see if they have like a core power or even you know some of the the, the milks that they have. Um, I clearly haven't missed my airport planning in a while because I can't even remember the brands now. Um, but the main thing I'll do, I always get tempted to do this too. The grocery store line will be longer than the Starbucks line, which always, it, it messes with my head so bad because I'm like, oh, I might as well just go to Starbucks. And then if I'm at Starbucks, I'm like, I might as well just get a coffee. And I know that alcohol or caffeine before a flight and on a flight are the you know most problematic items in terms of mm-hmm. dehydration. So it's like a, just you know to bite your tongue and don't do it kind of a moment for me. Um, so I'll usually go for a sparkling water or a big bottle of water and that'll be my hold off. Perfect. So again, to recap, for those that are going to, I guarantee people are going to be like, hold on, wait, what was that? What was that? Um, your fail safe is a cliff bar or I would say, and of course, Cliff bars and a lot of protein bars going to sit in your gut might not feel the best, but if you split it up, depending on your flight, the digestion rate can be a little better. Um, A core power or some kind of higher protein milk that's available at the airport. I love core powers. Those things are delicious. Literally, 
one a day. Yeah. Yeah. They're fantastic. Um, and, and they're so ingredients. Yeah. Just to cut, cut you off. Dude, it's so funny that, you know, right now that I'm interning at the hospital, we have a lot of patients that'll get the, you know, the Nestle boost product while they're at the hospital. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they get out, boost is so clinically focused that it's like four and a half dollars a bottle for them to get out. So when I asked the, the other dietitians on staff, I'm like, Hey, what do you guys recommend when people get out of the hospital? And every single one was like core power. So in my oh. head, I'm like, Oh man, I've, I've been doing it right. Sweet. You know? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Oh, there are other people smarter oh, than me that did this. Okay. Oh, okay. That's honestly. And I think Mike says the same thing is we don't have letters after our name, but we're smart enough to hire people with letters after their name to, sure. to back up what we say to be like, no, like <laughs> you agree. Like you're, you're, you're willing to get paid by us. So you obviously we're doing something right now. Exactly. Um, and then last but not least, the sparkling water. Um, now this debate I will have, now we're going off a whole nother tangent. This is where we start having fun. Um, core power, let's go back to the ingredient list. I think if I'm not mistaken, there's seven ingredients in the core power shake. Maybe, maybe there's eight or nine. I don't know if you've ever looked at it, but every single ingredient on there, and you know how hard it is with synthetic protein items yeah. to be able to type in the ingredient name and for it to populate a website, not the company's website, another website other than the company's. I'm pretty sure I'm almost, I'm like 99.9% .9 sure core power. You type in any of those ingredients, they're going to populate on a regular Google search. It's not going to take you immediately to the core power website. Yeah. Um, let's go to sparkling water though for a second. I can have a whole contingent about so ingredients. Oh, yes. <laughs> I here. Man, I spend way too much money on Topo Chico. Are you kidding me? Good. There, there are things in my life that I just don't look at the receipts. I try not to look at the DWP bill. That's our, our water and power. Why? Yeah. Because I got to fucking pay it anyway. I still look at it. And then my <laughs> wife and I get into a fight because I get upset and I got to pay it anyway. The second thing I don't look at is the grocery bill. Why? Because I'm going to, it's ready. I don't know what I spend on Topo Chico in a month, but I know when my, no, I don't need to know. I don't need to know. It makes me happy. The only way I drink water is sparkling water. And my wife loves to be like, but sparkling water isn't as hydrating. Uh, <laughs> Let's, I, there's a study and I'm, I'm, I don't have it pulled up because I wasn't ready for this today, but why don't you give me your two cents on sparkling versus flat water? Let's go from a straight clinical perspective. And then we can talk about your preference and why. Ooh, so I think there is a huge differentiation between like 49 cents sparkling water, which is just water with gas pumped in it. And there is natural mineral spring water. Yeah. We're like Topo Chico. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mineral water um, and not the Topo Chico hard because they started making those now. Um, they they did. They did. That was not, it, it used to be just the, the, the Topo Chico with lime. Okay. Not yeah, and like hard seltzer. So you got to watch out for those. Oh, those are, uh, those are disgusting by the way. Sorry. <laughs> Topo Chico. If you, if you ever feel like endorsing us with uh Topo Chico water, go <laughs> right for it. This seltzer. No, thank yeah. you. It tastes like sunscreen. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, the, the, the regular mineral water, the spring water, um, any of the sparkling that way um, it is definitely as hydrating and it's a much more mineral balancing um, hydration source. Um, it's funny because I just read an article. Um, I don't remember where, but they were talking about uh, this for triathletes and endurance athletes. And it talked about how water is the least hydrating beverage that we can consume. Uh, oh yeah. And, and you're, you're, mean, a tri you're a triathlete, right? Yeah. 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 I, uh, triathlete. And it just, it's scary for somebody to hear that. Cause they're like, Oh, but you tell me to drink, you know, X amount of water a day. I'm like, yes, I know. But at the same time, we are 
in a different universe than 99% of people that were studied in that article that were training for Kona Ironman. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but hold on. This, this study was yeah. done. You said based off of the, the study done on Kona Ironman athletes. There were, there were a few. Uh, yeah. Wow. Kona Ironman athletes in there. And I think it's the, the, the craziest part is that, you know, they talk about all the differentiations between, you know, water, sparkling water, um, electrolyte mixes, some of the more electrolyte focused and sodium focused drinks like the, um, you know, you know, Lance Armstrong's company, um, and just certain brands. And I think it's, it's crazy to see that sparkling water is like, it's a genuine good choice for a lot of these athletes. As long as you're not like sprinting to the finish, hammering down a Topo Chico and then just uh, champ, you know? Like, yeah. I was going to say that I, I, I understand from a hydration standpoint, but that sounds like a, like, I definitely don't want to be on the Peloton with a Topo Chico <laughs> yeah. and the bottle holder. It's not everywhere. First of all, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the bike's not, not waterproof not. either. So. so just to go back. So you would agree that sparkling mineral water, quality yeah. sparkling mineral water, your yeah. Topo Chico's, your probably Pellegrino. your Perrier, yeah. your Pellegrino, your, um, trying to think of another brand that we get. It's been Topo Chico now for months. Yeah. Um, what's the other one? The um, blue Perrier. One? You, you say the blue one? Yeah. Blue yeah. One, what's that label? Uh, I'm trying. I'm thinking of the same thing too. And then there's the Italian water. But anyways, you you would agree then that some fizzy water is just as hydrating, and there's research to prove that it's just as hydrating as flat water. I would say so. Yeah, I would say. And if, if you, not, if not, a little more. A little more because of the minerals and all that. Yep. If you find that article, if you find that research, uh, will you please send it to me so I can in- I include will, it in absolutely. this podcast? Because sure. um, there's going to be somebody that's like, but okay. Anyway, um, I love that we just got onto a tangent on water. I, I, I love it. Um, okay, let's come back. Um, so when you're traveling, let's let's be very clear. There's two types of travel. There's your, your quick vacation where, in my opinion, you can argue with me here. Um, in my opinion, if you're going away for a week or less, Go enjoy your life. Go enjoy. Go and experience the the cultural food if you're going, you know, somewhere cultural. You know, if you're typically not the person who, you know, drinks during the week, but you go out, you're going out to dinner constantly because you're on vacation. You want to have wine down. I'm of the mindset. I'm like, vacation is vacation. Mm -hmm. Go, go on vacation because you're going to come back hungrier, more dedicated. It's going to, you're going to, you're going to want it more. But for those that do extended travel, let's say a week plus, you do that often yeah. and yeah. if you are traveling for an extended period of time how do you navigate enjoying the uh the cultural cuisines um since they're definitely not on things like my fitness pal or any of the other food trackers um without tipping the scale yeah yeah and i think the easiest cutoff mark is you know to decide a lot of folks are going to have that 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 deciding point of hey you know what's an extended period and what's not for me i think it's different for everybody and that's where i'll kind of counter argue like it might not be a week it might be as as short as three or four days with somebody who's very like structured and routine um and i think of that as there is that point of saying like hey you know you live it up for three or four days but then day five if you feel sloppy you wake up and you're like dude my hair is greasy my face is greasy i just don't feel myself um then yes that's an extended travel for me um I'd agree on that. I'd say I I agree. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you go like, because if you say a week and then someone's out in, in Italy for seven days and every night is like, Hey, let's try this pasta. Let's try this pizza. Let's have three glasses of wine. 
Um, right. you know, day, day two, you're going to wake up. You're like, all right, I'm slightly dehydrated from drinking last night. Day four, you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, I feel like a bowl of fucking pasta sauce at this point, you know? Like, yeah, definitely. doesn't feel right. Um, or gravy for those from certain parts of Italy. <laughs> um, if you're traveling for an extended period of time, the number one thing that I personally like to do is explore the area first. So discover, um, I feel like as somebody who's frugal when it comes to booking those flights, as somebody who's frugal when it comes to travel, I travel and food are the only two things that I will like genuinely spend all my money on and not give a shit. Um, so what I like to do is don't spend all this money on travel and then restrict yourself where your experience is only going to be 50% of what you paid for. You know what I mean? Like if you're getting out there, like you said, you know, sure. Maybe the soft shell crab is a fucking balls deep move that I would not do personally myself, but I was, I was quite younger. Uh, We weren't even married. (laughs) I think we just got engaged. So that was 2016. I was in my twenties then. Yeah. Well, what do you, what do you got against twenties? Come on. Hey, you're on the cusp. You're about to be a 30 something in a minute. Don't think I don't know that. Uh, so <laughs> you can, so, you can kiss that two nine goodbye, sir. I know. And shit I changes at 30. Soon. That's why I'm trying to figure out how to uh, figure out the extended period for travel. Now <laughs> I got to make, make these rules for myself before I get there. But what I like to do is I like to take day one to myself and just find stores, vendors, restaurants, coffee shops that are around and just set myself in the same pattern i would say in the same routine that i would do in my hometown home address if i'm traveling within the u.s kind of keep it that way but let that day be the most expensive self-indulgence day ever Um, like if you have to pop into every single coffee shop introduce yourself say hi see what's good on the menu and try one thing from each place just to get a feel for it um, i promise you you'll wake up on day two with a much more comfortable idea on how to handle those surroundings interesting i've never even thought about it that way yeah, because if you let, like, say we're, I don't know, we're throwing the Amafi Coast out. You land, you take a cab to the Amafi Coast, you wake up. Like, if you take that entire first day to say, like, hey, let's just, you know, sit on the balcony, drink some wine, and then tomorrow we'll figure everything out. That's a great idea. It's an awesome thing to just kick your feet up and relax. But the next morning when you wake up and, you know, there's a little bit of jet lag, you're shaking off, you might be slightly dehydrated from the wine. One, you have no idea where the closest grocery store is to grab a bottle of water. Um, two, your day is probably going to take two or three hours longer to figure out where to start because you don't know where to grab a morning espresso, where to grab breakfast, where to grab groceries just to keep in the room. So what I like to do is if I can book an earlier flight and land, and then as soon as I get there, like, even though it feels like you're just grind, 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 um, you know, make up some sleep on a plane so that when you do land, you're like, okay, I'm on a mission. You know, if the cab that's taking me home from the airport is cool with it, I'll even tell the guy like, Hey, drop me off in city center. And I just want to make sure, you know, I, I discover a few spots and then I'll either take the same cab or take another cab back to the house or where I'm staying. So I like to really just saturate myself with the surroundings just so I don't feel like I'm lost the next day. So Very cool. Um, so when you get there, you're saying more or less take the day and almost like buffet style. Absolutely. Start, yeah. start tasting things. Awesome. And then after that, when let's say you're in a groove or, you know, you're there for a couple of days, what's your after day one, what is your go-to to, again, I want to focus on enjoying the, like you're talking about the Amalfi coast. Great. There's going to be a lot of cuisine to enjoy. There's going to be more coffee, espresso pastries than you know what to do with yourself. Um, How do you manage enjoying the cuisine and not being a sloppy mess. 
Yeah. I, and it's balanced. You know, th- those things, I think we'll lose our mind if we try to plug those things into my fitness pal. Like you said, there is no, no. even comparison. There's no even match. And the fact that it, going back to the Americanized conversation that we had, if you try to find like a almond croissant that you're going to have in a mafia coast and you plug it in on my fitness pal, it's going to be a almond croissant from a coffee shop in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Like, let's just throw something else out. Like yeah. That. It's not going to be comparable. Um, it's going to drive you nuts because you're going to be like, holy crap, I didn't know this had too much you know, of this or that in it. So the biggest thing I like to say is when I'm traveling for an extended period, over four days for me is the extended period cutoff. I just, I remove my fitness pal from my phone. I literally just get rid of it. Don't even see it. Um, and what I like to do is I like to figure out what meals I know I can balance, what's in my control and what meals I like to kind of indulge and explore with more. So if I'm a savory person, then breakfast and a dessert with dinner are the two things that I'm really going to just hammer down and not give a shit about. Yeah. But if you know what I mean, or if I'm a sweet person, if I'm a savory person and I'm going to the middle East, you know, I know shakshuka and these like certain breakfasts, shakshuka, like, you know, they, oh my yeah, God. they are going to be the staple of my day. So I like to do like, Hey, between, you know, 11 AM and, 4 p.m. Let me just go nuts. Like, you know, eat, discover, and figure things out, but in balance. Like, I won't go out to eat something that I know is very enjoyable with one piece of bread, even where I'm like, you know, out in, you know, if it's Israel or Morocco, anything like that. Like, I know if I can just spare one piece of bread to eat the rest of all these flavors than to just make it on a huge, you know, loaf of bread or something like that. So uh, unless you're in Paris and then you eat the whole loaf of bread. Yeah. You just put butter on it. it. I love that though. That's, that's kind of, I feel like that's probably a lot of our mentalities that are on this side of the industry. Um, It's you got to pick your battles and you got to also find, you said it perfectly. I don't know how you worded it, but almost find your, find your constants. What, what's within your control. Don't worry about what's out of your control. You're on vacation. A lot is out of your control. You'd be making a laundry list. If you can find what's in your control, can you control your first meal of the day? Can you control your second meal a day? Can you control the amount of snacking? Can you control your hydration? Can you control your level of activity? Worry, focus on those things and then let the chips fall where they may. Cause again, you're traveling. I think that's, I think that's great. And then you said it too. You're like, I'm going to pick and choose my battles. If I'm like, I know me, if I'm in Paris, it's either going to be my, it's, it's not going to be breakfast, Paris and Paris breakfast. Oh no, that's not true. Paris breakfast was always, uh, was that? I'm not a go-to with Paris breakfast, man. I'll, I could skip breakfast and then I could save those calories for lunch and dinner. And I'd be comfortable with that. Easy. Except for the fact that when I was in Paris, it was a piece of toast with butter jam and a chocolate croissant and an espresso every single morning. But then for lunch, it was like nothing. Like I really wouldn't touch lunch. I wouldn't touch much. And then dinner, it was like Italian food. It was French food. It was, it was heavy during the day. It was a little bit here, but if it's like, you know, when we were in Hawaii, I'm not a big breakfast person. Like I can easily have a cup of coffee or three and a water and i'm cool till lunch and lunch was like great let's have some fresh fish or something like that and then dinner it was hard on dinner again what can you what can you control you can control i know what can you control that day and every day doesn't have to be different um obviously there's gonna be some places when you travel you're gonna want the chocolate croissant and the toast with the butter and jam yeah you just make up for it with lunch i mean that's the the way you look at it man it's it ties so closely to finance. And that's why I have so many like funny conversations with Mike about this. Like I was just going to bring up a being a budget. Right? I was literally like, just going to yeah. say that if you go out and like, you can't 
sure, some people might be able to, but you can't be balling enough that you are just going, you know, heavy with a breakfast brunch, like, you know, bottomless brunch. And then you go to some Michelin star restaurant for lunch and then you go out and you indulge for dinner. Like you're going to run out of money quick. So think, sure. think of your one enjoyment with food as money and think of your, you know, body's limit to just feel sloppy and feel like shit as money. Because if you hit three like gold star meals in one day, day two is going to leave you with big shoes to fill. And day two is going to, you're going to wake up and you're probably going to be like, dude, I, I probably can't eat till noon, which Easy. automatically tells you that like, Hey, you know, probably chill the fuck out the next day, you know? Definitely. Definitely. I love talking about food as a budget, man. And people don't yeah. realize like, if you look at, if you looked at, if you treated your calories, if you had a wallet of calories mm. and you knew you had to pull that wallet out and it was cash, not a credit card. Yeah. And you had to put cash down. You're going to watch that money just go out, go out, go out every day. People would reframe their their ideas of food and indulgence so much differently, or they'd pick and choose differently. I love that. I love that. Um, all right, let's start to slowly wrap this up. I'm going to ask you a question that you might not be able to answer very well. Um, but what's the most, and for you guys that don't know Sanan, you should really go check out his Instagram. He'll plug it in later. This dude is, first of all, he's 29 years old, so he can go fuck himself with his genetics <laughs> and his metabolism and his age. Um, he is one of the most shredded individuals. I haven't been that peeled since my bodybuilding days. This guy just walks around just like 6%, 7% all the time. Um, Sanan's great though. Um, but here's the question I'm going to ask you. Um, and being, uh, being an RD, uh, well, a doctor now, an RD soon. Um, what's the most ridiculous diet that you've ever done? If you've, you've done something ridiculous. I, yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely dabbled with all of them. Um, I think one of the, so living in Turkey, I definitely got firsthand exposure to, you know, fasting for Ramadan. And then when I came okay. here, I saw the extended stretch of Ramadan to what is known as OMAD, which is one meal a day. You know, mm -hmm. like when I saw that, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, if you're in the military, you're a sniper, you get to eat one meal and then you're, you know, camping out for 16 hours. Sure. It makes sense. But for a lot of people to hold off and only eat one meal a day. And in my background in, you know, in just Turkish culture, that one meal ends up being like everyone sits around the table and you eat for six or seven hours, which you can easily make up 4,000 calories in seven hours. Oh yeah. Uh, so I'm like that to me, that was the most ridiculous diet I've ever gotten exposed to because I was like, Hey, listen, one meal a day, you can completely, you know, annihilate, dest destroy it. Yeah. I'm like, dude, yeah. Yeah, one meal a day, all you can eat buffet. I would still destroy it. Like, you know, what? easy. Easy. So I think that was one of the things that, that, that never set off a light bulb in my head. And I was like, yeah, one meal a day sounds great. If you are just looking to, you know, intermittently fast around it, but don't blow that meal up. Yeah, no. And honestly, like, sure, snipers, there's also yeah. a very, very small population of people, yeah. let's say around the world that are yeah. qualified to be snipers. I'm not one of them. So I don't need to really eat one meal a day, to be honest. For religious purposes, look, I, I 100% yeah, yeah, one thousand percent respect that. But in terms of a fat loss or weight loss approach, I'm like, that's just it's not first of all, yet. the it's not a diet, and the the mental rewiring that you have to re you have to reteach once you realize this yeah. is a bad relationship with food. Let's not even get to that. That's yeah. pretty ridiculous for someone to go. If you were to take you know OMAD and be like, you know what though, honestly, let's if I were to market that tomorrow, 
with proper marketing, there's dumber shit that's been out there. Because if I said, oh, mad, but you hit all your macros, your calories, your carbs, your fats, and your proteins, and you're getting the proper energy intake, would sound a lot better to me than some of the other shit that's out there. Yeah, that's hard. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty high up there. That's good. Um, what's the number one uh, nutrition-related piece of advice or diet that you've seen on social media that gets under your skin? And why? Man, there is, dude, there's a lot. I think product wise, nutrition wise, there's a lot of shit that drives me nuts when I see it on social media. Lay, lay it out there. Let's go and tell I me mean, why. Honestly, the, the things that I see that are before and after, and oh you know, being 29 God. years old, I see before and after is I'm like, dude, that looks like me when I was 13 versus that looks like <laughs> me at 29. So I'm like, there's no fucking way this product came out 16 years ago and this person is the after. And then you look at the comments or caption and it's like, you know, in six weeks, you could look this shredded. And I was like, yeah, you really can. In you know? six weeks? Six years, maybe. But um, <laughs> I think one of the biggest things that I see is the fear that a lot of people will create around carbs. And I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm not like, a, I'm not a keto like hater. I, you know, I, I know it was invented for, you know, more scientific purpose and medical research. But I think the fact that every time we have a conversation with, with folks that are like, ah, you really want me to eat sugar or you really want me to eat, you know, unsweetened dried fruit um, or fruit in general. I'm like, dude, like, but like it goes back to what you said when I was in Turkey, I could eat a fruit plate for four people with every meal. And I'm like, yo, this is so good. And if I looked at my carbs, like I'm not one to really eat that much carbs naturally anyway. Like when I'm here, when I'm track, if I do track, I'm close to like 200 grams of carbs a day, which is unreal. Like it's, it's funky. I say for your level of activity, that's nothing. But yeah. for most people, the idea of 200 grams of carbs a day, I'm sure people's minds just went. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. like 1800 calories a day here. Um, but then when I went over there, I was like, I could easily crush like 450, 500 grams of carbs just from, you know, primarily from fruit and bread yeah. and rice. And I was just to give you an idea. I was 213 when I left for Turkey. Um, I stayed out there for three and a half months. I came back 188 and I felt, <laughs> um, yeah. And I felt amazing. So I was like, 213 to 188, no tracking yeah. and your activity level dropped like no other, didn't it? Yeah. On um, the workouts did a step count was through the roof. I was, you know, I would get of up. Of course. Step your structure, but your actual workouts, not your, not I your didn't meat. do a workout. Yeah. I right. bought a kettlebell and just curled that maybe three days out of the week. And that was it. <laughs> Yeah. Kept, kept those annoyingly large biceps full. That's that's, that's, that's that's really that's annoying. annoying. <laughs> that's so incredibly annoying to hear because again, <laughs> if you guys don't know Sanan, okay, he's a triathlete with arms that I would I envy very much. His bicep yeah. peaks are obnoxiously nice. That's why I have um, T Rex, man. That's it. <laughs> I was gonna bring up your T Rex running. Um, cool. That's uh, that's funny, man. Is the carbs you're right? And people, I mean, look, yeah, the fear of fruit is what just gets me, man. When people oh, are scared my. of fruit. It just, it's, it drives me nuts. The, or the fear of fruit. I don't know if you listen to Lane Norton or anything like that, or RP. Um, if you listen to RP and Dr. Mike, uh, I think on there, they talk about, I didn't realize that there is a myth that fructose is bad for you. That is like apparently something circulating on social media. I heard that and I about lost my mind. I was like, what do you mean? Fruit, fructose is bad. That yeah. it, it's come from fruit. I know. Fruit, fruit is, it's I mean, I'll say, unless we're in like extreme conditions of we're talking about diabetics or, you know, yeah. insulin resistance. And even then I'm like, fruit on a, yeah, I'm like, it's fruit. And if you look at like that on a, on like your, you look at, no, it's fruit. Yeah. Don't be afraid of fruit. That's such, I'm afraid of fruit. Let's, 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 let's call it what it is. The sentence I'm afraid of fruit is what people are not saying. Yeah. 
which is yeah. ridiculous. Anyway, sure. um, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. Were you saying something? No, you're good. No, I was just saying it scares me, man. It, it scares me to see that separation drifting further and further because of social media from what we see overseas. You know what I mean? It goes back to that ingredient quality conversation we had earlier, but I think that's another one of the biggest culture shocks, like fruit. Like when I came here, people would rather eat fast food and be scared of fruit mm-hmm. than reach for fruit and not even care of what they just ate. Like they're like, Oh, that wasn't a meal. I just had you know three apples and two pears. I'm like, Oh yeah. Right. Right. Like, right. if you're, you know, if we're here and we're tracking, some people are just, you know, very meticulous about it and like fast food, like scared. They're just like, Oh, but that's my whole day of carbs. So I'm just going to eat canned tuna for the rest of the day. Like, yeah. If you have goals that, you need to push that for sure, but chill out a little bit. You know, I'll say for most people, they don't realize the general population. It's like, if you stay within like 10%, even 15% of a degree of error, and you just stick to being consistent over anything, yeah. you'd be fine. People yeah. that are like, but I'm over by three grams of carbs. I'm like, do you realize that's, <laughs> that's 12 calories? Yeah. We got a do lot re- of work to do. <laughs> like, you might in the time that you've been talking, tell me about your fear of those three grams. You might've burned all 12 of those calories. Yeah. Just tell, them sitting chug, tell them to chug a Topo Chico and they'll burp it out. <laughs> so now it's number one piece of advice. You feel like you ate too much, chug a Topo Chico, burp it out. All good. Calories burned, negated. Um, what's, and this is from, from Sanan. This is going to be one of my favorite questions that you answer is, um, I love to ask all of our guests that are experts in the field. Um, I like to give them this question so that they can give our listeners something that they can take today. They can take home with them and they can apply it yep. tomorrow. Um, what is one piece of advice that you can give someone who's looking to get started on a weight loss program? Yeah, for sure. And I think this encompasses every single thing we talked about. Um, I think, you know, we, we joke around with numbers. We really focus and dial in regarding numbers. But if somebody is starting a weight loss journey, if they are thinking about considering a weight loss journey, um, I always say stop thinking about numbers as the first indicator of your um, commitment. So yes, you know, when fine tuning those macros, those weigh-ins, those calories, you know, whatever it may be, those come in handy. But that's not where any of this starts. That's not where any of us started with coaching. That's not where any of these companies began. You know, it all starts with a comfortable routine with structure. Um, it starts with that healthy relationship with food. Um, it's essentially the excitement to prep your food, to think about food, to bring you know ingredients and recipes and cooking styles into your house and your daily routine that you're not used to. And I think the biggest success or key to success with um, a weight loss journey is getting comfortable with the uncomfortable first before doing anything else. So a lot of folks, you know, we, we are scared to do something new, but we know that coming into that weight loss journey, we are at that point because we've been doing the same thing so repetitively for so long. Mm-hmm. So I even say this myself, I'm like, dude, if I start getting to a pattern, like I'm doing the same workouts over and over and over again, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of boring. And I'm not, you know, putting on any muscle. It's just because there's too much repetition without any change because I am scared to get out of the comfort zone. And I think it's right. the same exact thing with weight loss, you know, because you're probably not experimenting with new recipes, new vegetables, new, you know, habits to build in, whether it's drinking water, taking more steps, getting up, you know, doing something that you don't normally do um, and just embracing it. So I know that's a lot all at once, but I think the biggest thing is just to to zoom out and just get comfortable with um, the healthy relationship around a healthy lifestyle instead of the numbers 
off the bat. Because you'll see a lot of people, you'll know this too, you'll see a lot of people that come into tracking numbers immediately. They're like, hey, weight loss journey starts today. I'm going to go right into the details and meticulousness of numbers. And like we just said, you know, they're like, ah, I'm off, you know, three grams. And that, you know, if that's on a Monday, that throws off Monday through Friday immediately for that person. Oh, yeah. The fact that you even, the fact that you got up and decided like, great, today's the day and I start tracking today. That's a win. That's a, that's a huge W right there. I am going to take the data. I'm going to make conscious decisions. I'm going to be aware of my choices around food. That's a win all of itself, man. No, that's, it's a lot. What you just said is a lot, but I think you can sum it up in, in, you know, the data and the numbers that's really for the, the, I hate the word coach because I feel like that undermines what we do. Um, and that's due to the MLM community. The, the professional that you're working with, the data is really, it's for them to make a decision as to what to do next and when to make the next move with your program. Absolutely. There's plenty of times where the data says, be patient. More yep. often than not, I would argue that the data says, be patient. Yep. And eventually, yeah, you make a small adjustment. But the fact that you're right, if you're starting a weight loss journey, the numbers are really for us. It's for us to decide what to do next. And it's to teach you hopefully like, hey, these numbers have value and these numbers are going to get you where you want to go. And by understanding these numbers, you understand the process, but you also need to understand that these numbers, it's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's not everything. This isn't defined. This isn't define your progress. I've weighed a hundred. What I weigh now, I weigh, I weighed 181 pounds, uh, on a bodybuilding stage, uh, with twice as much muscle on me, significantly less fat. And I weighed 181 pounds. I weigh literally the same weight that I do now. And I don't look nearly as shredded as I did dehydrated sub 5% body fat on a bodybuilding stage. I don't. So if I were to just take the scale of 181, if you were to just take the scale of 213 to 188, 213 and 188, people are like, I lost a ton of weight. You're probably looking at 188 going, I look a little soft. Yeah, I don't know if I can do 50 push-ups at that point. Yeah, you're like, there's so many things. Your output is different. Your energy level is different. Your strength is different. So, right, exactly. I love that. It's it's look at, forget, don't necessarily forget the plan, but take your emphasis off the plan. Let your yep. let the company you're working with, the expert you're working with, that's their stress level. Your yep. plan is their stress. Your stress should be, what am I going to do today to make sure that I'm creating a different habit? That's awesome, yeah. man. That's really and awesome. I think just to touch on that too, I think one of the best conversations a coach does have or can have with their member is the fact that you know when we don't change numbers, we know that it's going to take patience. I always have this conversation with my members too. I always say, hey, you know, call me the most boring coach ever for not changing numbers this week, but I want you to flip the script completely and try something new with your, you know, your daily habit, your, a new Peloton workout or a ride that you've never done before a new, you know, street to walk on around your house that you haven't before challenge your kids, your husband, your wife, anybody at home to a cook-off, like get your mind off of the fact that, Oh, we're staying with the same numbers for another week. And you realize that it's more than just numbers. So you hit it right on the head. Yeah, no, definitely. And and now we're talking, now we're going to our end of things. Now we're talking to people that do what we do. And not with that, I do what you do, but people that work in the nutrition field. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing more satisfying to me personally, um, where you hit, you hit that sweet spot with a member. You hit, and the sweet spot is like, a 12 to 15% deficit, nothing, nothing extensive. You just, 
you finally hit that sweet spot where the math works, the science works, and their compliance is high, and you ride that sweet spot for weeks. And we have, I have one member who one of our registered dietitians is working with, I think she's kept her at the same, I think it's like 16% for like nine weeks. That's and amazing. every time like I look at, I go into this member's account, like on their milestones and every single time, every four weeks, she's literally, it's like, it hasn't been changed since like July 2nd or something like that. And her compliance is stellar. I think if, if, if she's off, it's off marginal. It's like, it's so inconvenient. It's so insignificant, yeah. but she's lived at that same, like 15, 16% deficit. And the, the, literally the graph is just trending down, 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 down. I'm like, if I had every registered dietitian with every single member hit a sweet spot like that, I mean, I'd be selling MBS the way stronger you got sold over <laughs> to, uh, you know what I mean? Like, but That's yes, the, honestly though, people don't realize I yes, is, is be patient. You know, being a boring coach is not a bad thing. I've run. If you look at, look at training, look at the idea of progressive overload, look at the idea of progress. True progress is quantifiable. I've been running what's called five, three, one, uh, yeah, it's a training split, you know? Yeah. You know, five, three, one, yeah. I've been doing five, three, one years. Yeah. Years. Hey, you I li- max and do it again. <laughs> yeah, literally. And I never, I never even, I don't, I'm, I'm in my thirties now, man. I don't touch, I don't touch maxes anymore, but like <laughs> as soon as week, week three yeah. is your top week. Great. You yeah. go through your 85% and then you have your deload week and you go right back to it. Yeah. Uh, I added in this year, I added in hip thrust and front squats to my five through one, but you do that. You're doing quote unquote, the same shit over and over again, Yeah. but you're, it's, you're constantly building on it. And for those that don't realize five, three, one, you add two and a, you add either five pounds or 10 pounds yeah. per week mm-hmm. to your last set. You only like, you're doing the That's same movements the week. Yeah. yeah. Week in and week out. And you put in like right now, I think my, my deadlifts max is like 491 or something. It calculates it too. Okay. But I, you add five pounds yeah. every week, which gives you a total of maybe like I think a total of 15 pounds more over a month period of time, 15 pounds on a barbell, just so you know, people that's five pounds or that's, that's a 10, no, excuse me. That's five pounds on each side. And then two and a half pounds on each side. That's all you're adding. And that's fucking progress. And that's, um, it is so gratifying to go. I'm stronger three weeks later by small, small, small changes that really aren't even noticeable. So 15 pounds is a massive that I, I think about that. You just set off such a, like a, a CrossFit light bulb in my head. I'm like the day I hit, you know, three wheels on a clean, like 315 oh. versus 300. It feels like the world's difference. Dude. I was going to say, actually, I think I did that wrong. I think it's, I think you add two and a half pounds uh, from week one to week two, depending on the lift, I think it's like two and a half yeah, pounds, five pounds and 10 pounds. I forget, but it, it's different between your deadlifts, your squats, your bench, your OHP. Anyway. Yeah. No, three, three wheels. You hit three wheels. I want a video, and then I'm gonna go cry in a corner. Sanan, where? Yeah, yes. For those of you that can't see me, I'm literally flipping off Sanan on the on the Zoom call in the hotel gym. I'm gonna get a bed. I'm gonna get yes, please. Um, Sanan, this has been incredible. This has been super enjoyable. Um, Mike is a regular on our show. Um, I have a feeling you're going to be back as long as I can nail you Absolutely. down during your crazy schedule. Sanan, do us a favor. Um, I have a lot of feeling. A lot of people are going to want to know where to find you. Please plug yeah. all of your social media. Go for it. Absolutely, man. I'm, uh, I'm super easy to find. So Facebook, um, it's just Sanan Synonymous, S-Y-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S. Um, and the Sanan is S-I-N-A-N. And then if you guys are trying to find me on Instagram, I only use Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I'm not cool enough like the 20-year-old kids, but 
Um, Instagram is dr underscore synonymous. Um, and you guys find me that way. If you go through any of the, you know, stronger you materials as well, stronger you is the um, amazing company I am a part of. You can go through the stronger you materials and I will definitely pop up somewhere in there as well. Sanan, thank you so much, my man, for being on the Absolutely, podcast. Brother. We'll listen to some, we'll listen to some Rufus this week. I'll bug you about something. We'll talk about some core power, whatever. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, this episode will release um, probably end of October. Uh, so for those of you listening, we recorded this in the beginning of October and you guys are listening to this now. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, and tune in in two weeks for another new episode. We'll see you guys soon. Hey, everybody, and thank you for listening to another podcast. For more things MBS, you can always find us on Facebook by searching my name, Bradley Goldman, or you can go to facebook.com backslash NBS by BSSF. You can find us on Instagram at NBS by BSSF. And of course, remember, always do something over nothing and focus on progress over perfection. And we'll talk to you guys next time.